And we are back with the All Gas No Break Sports Podcast Show. I am once again one of your co-hosts, Nick Bavona. I am once again joined alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy G. Marino. And guys, after going over some of the scores in this past week in college football, I mean, how can we not talk about what happened this past Sunday with some crazy NFL action, crazy comebacks, some wild finishes, and all in all, another solid start to what has already been a great NFL season. Yeah, like you said, some absolutely crazy things went on this past week. Uh, obviously, we're getting to New York sports in a little bit, uh, but I think the most opportune time, I guess, start, start the pod, is going to have to be with the Baltimore Ravens versus Miami Dolphins. I think that is the best thing that we could possibly start with. That was an absolutely crazy game. Not start from finish, fell. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, 35 to 7 lead for Baltimore. They end up blowing that. Nick, you want to go tell our viewers uh, how that ex- see, happened exactly? See, Johnson, now I'm going to have to call you out again, just like Diver Grayson earlier. The score was 35 14 at one point. Oh, 35 14 going into the. See, we oh. had. I See, I, I think I know where you got that from. There was a certain someone that we know that said that was the score, but it was that was not the score. It was 35 14 going into the fourth. Oh, okay. When did they score into the third quarter then? They was scored. It just- yeah, I think it was just right. It was like some, some way. It was right mid- before. Yeah, it was definitely before the third quarter, but it was a thirty-five fourteen score going into the fourth quarter. But going back on how the game started, I mean, the Dolphins at the beginning of this game didn't seem that were not that bad to start off because you know they had a good opening drive going on. Looked like they were going to get down the field and score a touchdown. And two attack of Aloha throw through an interception that realistically, I mean, it's just a tough play. I mean, Marcus Williams Listen. made an amazing opportunity to keep the ball in play just to keep making an interception. But as you said, I mean, at the beginning of this game, Miami started off very slowly, but as the game kept going on, they started to get, you know, started to get back offensively what they we what we've been waiting to see for them throughout these first two games. Now, I want to talk about how Tua just absolutely exploded on offense. A lot of guys kind of just disregarding Tua over the last couple of years. I think He's he really not, didn't get he, – All right, oh, we're so not we going to – So we're you two and a half minutes in and we you have can't, the You can't be saying, you can't be saying he's dog shit after this game. Oh, in no, what way? That Baltimore defense is even more dog shit. No. He's got, he's got that dog yeah. in him. He's yeah. The, the, this is, is the Al- like, uh, this is the Alabama bias coming in. I know for a fact it is. No, it is. That guy, that it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Anyway, he's, he's anyway, garbage. the game started off with a bang with Devin Duvernay returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown. He got Baltimore on you know on track seven nothing. One hundred four yards. By the way, I mean this game more and less was about the offenses, but this was also about speed for these two teams. Guys like Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, Lamar Jackson, two attack of a little. You had some of the fastest players in the NFL playing in this game. It certainly was a fun game to watch, and especially with the way the game went on. At one point, the, the Ravens had a win probability of 88%, so it looked like they were destined to win this game. And to two attack of Iloa's credit, he kept them in this game as much as he could, and he did so that. I mean, he threw four passing touchdowns in the fourth quarter, six passing touchdowns in total for this game, 
over 400 yards passing. Tua was on the money in this game, and first he and threw last to a lot of. Listen, you might say that, but what the receivers he has this season, and he still has a very good tight end in Mike Kosicki, who had a touchdown grab also in this game. This was certainly a good game for the two attack of Aloha haters to, to, you know, to kind of shut them up and say, hey, listen, Tua is not that bad of a quarterback. He's still Never. pretty good. I mean, listen, you might say that, but Bro, I'd rather I have Daniel Jones. There's no shot, you're saying. That. All right, so we're. The you're literally it. talking to a Giants fan, and I can't even say that. I would rather see him start Tyrod Taylor than Daniel. I'm also a Giants fan. Like, you're take. forgetting this. Yeah, but you haven't been with the Giants as long as I have, and I know it's damn okay. well. Daniel no, Jones not. is a winner. He so is two of my low. Nope, that guy's a bum. He needs two. All right, besides needs, the Alabama bias in this room. He's the two fastest people on the planet to be even semi competent. I mean, it's not saying anyway. This game was basically also about these two quarterbacks proving something to the haters, like a certain someone in this room. Because the other quarterback on the other team, he doesn't like That's him tough. either. Lamar Jackson had himself a monster game as well, threw for three hundred yards, three passing touchdowns. Also had one hundred nineteen yards rushing and a touchdown which culminated with a big 79-yard rushing touchdown towards the end of the third quarter. And that touchdown put the Ravens up 35-14 going into the fourth quarter. It looked like Miami was going to be done, you know, didn't really, was not going to be able to come back from a big deficit. But Miami kept getting drives down the field, kept scoring very quickly. To their credit, the defense finally started to get some momentum in the fourth quarter. And what's a funny stat about this game is the 28-3 meme once again came into uh, – Full uh, fruition in this game. The Dolphins scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. Ravens only scoring the one field goal from Justin Tucker. So, boys, the 28 to 3 meme doesn't seem like it will ever die. And you know, it's funny that you say that it almost happened with the Atlanta Falcons again this uh, this past uh, this past weekend, but they almost had a chance to reverse it. Sadly, I feel like if uh, they do win that game versus the Rams, I, I feel like it. It's not as funny. Like, it kind of feels like they reversed the curse. But anyways, I digress. We want to talk about this uh, this, this uh, Baltimore game. Uh, Lamar Jackson had himself a day. Tua just proved to be the better quarterback that day. Um, I, I think this was the best game of Tua's career, obviously, so far. But I think going forward. Oh, by far, this is the best game of his I think, professional I think career. going forward, five, ten years now, like Miami fans and even the rest of the NFL will be talking, hey, remember that game against Baltimore? I think this is his well, career-defining game. This is why they hired a guy like Mike McDaniel, because they wanted to fix you know, some of the offensive miscues they've had with Tua the past couple of years. And I think you're starting to see that early on, that he is going to be that coach that can help him fix some of the mechanics that you know haven't gone right for him. And especially adding Tyreek Hill, and you know you drafted a guy like Jalen Waddle last season. They've got some big-time playmakers for this offense. They're going to be a dangerous team throughout the rest of the season. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I mean, uh, I know. Uh, before we, before I hear it, the fact that just fucking Lamar Jackson and Tua combined for nine passing touchdowns tells you how bad these two defenses really are at the end of the day. You're not really looking into the stats then. Bro. These defenses these are two of the best these are two really good defenses on paper. On paper. On paper and what actually shows up on the field are two totally different things, my friend. Okay, and these are also two really good offenses. 
Are they though? Yes. I, I'm still not sold on this Miami offense. I'm not because you're not sold on Tua because you don't yeah. like Tua because of his Alabama. No, bias. it's not because of his Alabama bias. It's a hundred percent the reason. I think he was a good quarterback. He wasn't a good quarterback at Alabama. He literally should not have even been a starter. Jalen Hurts got fucking railed there. Jalen Hurts, you know damn well, was not good at Alabama. Yes, he was. He no, he wasn't. He really had that team in the national Why did he get benched then against Georgia? Because Nick Saban's a scumbag. No, because he was terrible in that game. And what happened? He still got What happened? Okay, what happened? You're right. He's a better star than Tua. What happened? Tua brought them back in that game. They won the national championship. And Tua was a first-round quarterback to Jalen Hurts being a second-round quarterback. Yeah, and I'm still taking Hurts. Hurts is literally just as good, if not better. He is six of six. Strength wise, absolutely not. He is six of six for seventy nine yards right now. Just to put it into perspective, with half the talent on the offense. But okay, they had a guy. They had an AJ Brown, and they have Devonta Smith. Okay, and Tyreek Hill is also the fastest player alive, and Jalen Wall might be the second fastest. They literally just get open and jump like fucking baboons. Like anyway, besides the point. Game two. Of the season in week two, and it's, I think, already the game of the year. I mean, the amount of points that you had on the board and the way these two teams offensively played, it, it, just, it was just a great game to watch. I wish I was there in person to have seen the game, but obviously watching it from home on Red Zone, still, still couldn't beat that experience. It was a great game to see, and we brought it up Tyreek Hill, almost at 200 yards receiving, almost same thing with Jalen Waddell. And we saw, you know, the emergence of Rashad Bateman. He had 100 yards in the game also. I think you're starting to finally see that, hey, maybe he is that first-round talent that Baltimore drafted with last year. So definitely some things to pick up on the rest of the season. But Miami in this game definitely proved that, hey, listen, I think they're going to be a team to contend with. And Baltimore, this is still, yes, a bad loss considering how they how it happened. But in the end, I still think Baltimore is going to be a very good team down the stretch. And Lamar Jackson looking like the Lamar Jackson we saw a couple years ago when he won the MVP. All right, Nick, that's a uh, I agree with you a lot about that. Lamar Jackson, I'm still not sold on him. We'll see how he fares in the tough conference that is the AFC uh, North. We'll see how he fares a couple weeks down the line. We has to play teams like the Steelers a couple times. Uh, but moving into other crazy comebacks, also staying within the AFC North. Let's talk about that Jets game. Let's talk about that crazy, crazy 14-point comeback that the New York Jets had this past Sunday. Joe Flacco revenge game just came a week late. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this game started off really bad for the Jets because Nick Chubb had an early touchdown, and it looked like you know there was going to be the same stuff that happened in week one against Baltimore. But what was good about this game for the Jets is Robert Sala, I mean, he said going into the week, he's taking receipts on how many you know people are riding off the Jets on how bad they've started and how it looks like they're going to have another bad season. And he took it to heart. And, I mean, you saw it. I mean, he made some gutsy decisions in this game. He actually ran a fake punt in the first quarter in their own territory, and it worked. So, I mean, he really made some gutsy decisions in this game. And to his credit, I mean, it paid off. I mean, going into the... Final two minutes of the game, they were down two touchdowns. It looked like they were going to be, you know, it was going to be another hard-fought game, but they were going to fall in the end. But you saw some big mistakes from the Cleveland Browns towards the end of it. Corey Davis had a wide-open touchdown in which no one was even near him. 
and it just seemed like as if it was a, a broken coverage from the Browns' defense. It allowed the Jets to make it a six-point game, and then the craziest things happen. I mean, the Jets actually get an onside kick, recover it, and they're able to drive down the field, and Garrett Wilson, who, by the way, showing that first-round talent in this game back in Ohio, if there's going to be a revenge game, it's probably from Garrett Wilson. The coming, the homecoming from him, he had over 100 yards receiving and the game-winning touchdown as well as a touchdown earlier on in the game. Garrett Wilson showing that he was that top-10 pick the Jets took, but in the end, the Jets get an impressive win on the road, 31-30. to They go to 1-1 this season and a great week for New York sports to say the least. I mean, how can you be like uh, an amazing comfort behind win like the Jets just had? Speaking of yeah. rookie receivers, by the way, I mean, they've all been pretty damn good. <laughs> like, yeah, all of them have been. I mean, Drake London had himself a fucking day. Yeah, Drake London it was pretty good. He he definitely was a big one of the big reasons why the Falcons came back in that game against the Rams. I mean, I don't know about Trey. I mean, Traylon Burks has been. Traylon Burks mean, is. He's I mean, he's currently, playing. He's but, currently playing right now. He but, was. He had a, a you know not a bad start to his career last week against the Giants. Well, still, there's still time to tell. I, I mean, mean he's yeah. with him. Also, yeah. you know, Ryan Tannehill. They're mostly involved running the football, so it's still yeah. It's, it's not see fair, how but much I mean, he still has it. had a pretty good start to his career as well. I yeah. mean, all those first round series that were taken have been, I'd probably say, just as advertised. Yeah, and it's only two weeks into the season. I mean, you're yeah. right. I mean, they definitely certainly have been better than advertised, and the Jets also had. A good con- contribution from another rookie. They have Brees Hall, who had a receiving touchdown in this game. This is a big thing for the Jets because they have this big, you know, rookie class that they had this from this past draft. Guys like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner, who did go down in this game at one point, but did come back to eventually, you know, play the game. And the- these are going to—they're going to be three of the biggest players the Jets, you know, have to develop the rest of the, rest of the season. The biggest question for the Jets now for the rest of the year is. Yes, they're having success right now as it currently is with Joe Flacco. Is this going to translate when Zach Wilson comes back? Because if it doesn't, then it's going to raise a lot of questions for the Jets throughout the next, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I got confidence in Zach Wilson. I mean, maybe it's just because he's got that dog in him. And, I mean, I got to respect the man for what he's done. <laughs> but... That's a different aspect. But I, I just right. think in general, he's going to be uh, – they should be able to keep it going with him. I think the jury is still out on Zach Wilson. He needs to have a full year under a quote-unquote normal situation. Uh, with the Jets, you usually don't get that. But, hey, maybe this is a turning point. Is it? Probably not. They're probably going to get teabagged in conference by Miami and Buffalo and New England. Uh, but hey, I mean, even if they're not going to get, even if they lose these games and make them close competitive games, it's certainly a good building block towards the future for the Jets. Uh, the reason that why I think the Jets won personally, and I said this uh, last week, we and I even I even took a bet on it. It was the New York sports parlay: Giants money line, Jets money line. Uh, both these games happening on Tony Soprano's birthday, aka James Gandolfini. Uh, rest in peace to a legend. You know, New York Jets getting a win for Big Jim on his birthday. Couldn't be more perfect. You couldn't script that even better. So Roger Goodell, uh, 
good job of the NFL script this year. I really wasn't expecting this uh, this early in the season, a surprise like this. I'm really looking forward to what you're writing throughout the uh, rest of the season. And I mean, not to mention that not only the Jets and, and the Giants won, but the Yankees and we, Mets we also home. won. We had the New York sweep. It was the first time all the teams won the same day since September 27 to 2009. So definitely a lot of history being made yesterday by New York sports. And considering how New York sports have been the last couple of years, certainly has been a good. It's certainly a good feel story for New Yorkers because they haven't had much to watch throughout these last couple of years. So definitely, Sunday was definitely a good day to be a New Yorker when it comes to their pro sports. So yeah, talking about that Giants, uh, that Giants victory. Let's get into it. Giants at home versus the Carolina Panthers. Uh, crazy way to start the game and a really great way to finish it. Really went wire to wire. Kept the fans interested. I. Sure, MetLife was rocking. Uh, fans in the stands, stands certainly seemed like on uh, on television. Nick, give me your uh, give me the one two two on this. What was your take on this? Uh, on this well, Giants victory starting the season two This was an ugly game to say the least. I'm gonna just put that out there. And if you're wa- if you're watching this game wire to wire, it just wasn't really the best game to watch. I mean, the Giants. Had the, you know, recovered the opening kickoff, you know, fumble from the Panthers. And it seemed like, oh, look, they're going to score a touchdown and start this game off really, really strong. Just never really took an opportunity to do that as they got an opening field goal. But that seemed like how this game was going for the Giants most of the time. It seemed like they had a lot of opportunities to, you know, put the game out of reach. And they just never took that opportunity. They go into the half tied at six. And you're right. The fans were raucous throughout the entire game. But. They were very positive, and they were also very negative. You saw it going into the half. Fans were starting to yell at the offense for how badly they were playing in the first half. This game really all came down to was how good the Giants' defense was. And this is what fans were really hoping to see throughout the season. Guys like, you know, Julian Love and Leonard Williams, who, by the way, did get hurt in this game. Giants are hoping to get him back soon. I don't appreciate that slander. Either way, anyway. I'm a fan. I'm still calling you out anyway. Anyway, anyway, the Giants defense played a fantastic game, holding the Panthers to just 16 points. And I mean, that was a mix of them playing good and the Panthers also playing really bad. They had a lot of drops in this game, too. So really wasn't really good on the Panthers part. Um, The MVP mostly of this game goes to Graham Gano. He had four field goals in this game, including the game winner from 56 yards. So the, the former Panther... How do you disagree? It was David Sills. He sparked the offense. I'm, I, all right, cheap take again. I'm going <laughs> past it. He hits a 50, <laughs> he hits a 56 yard field goal against his former team. Four for four on the day. Huge game from Graham Gano. And I mean, listen, Dave Gellman might have done a lot of good things for the Giants, but this was certainly one of the better things he did do and get signing a guy like Graham Gano because there was a time where the Giants really did not have good kickers. You know, guys like Aldrick Rosas, who was good, but had some off the field issues. I won't get into that, but as I said, it wasn't the prettiest win, but it's a win nonetheless. I mean, the Giants are one of the only, you know, one of the, I believe, four or five teams remaining in the NFL that are undefeated, and if you're a Giants fan, there's definitely optimism throughout the rest of the season, and now you have a big Monday night matchup coming up with the Cowboys this week at MetLife. It's going to be not only a big game for the Giants, but a big game for Daniel Jones, because he has to still prove that he's going to be the quarterback of this team. And he really hasn't shown it throughout the first two games. He's still making very bad reads. He did have that crucial third down conversion on the bootleg run that sealed the win. 
but he has still made some very head scratching decisions as the game has gone on. He needs to fix that throughout the rest of the season if he's going to be the Giants' long term quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this upcoming Monday night football game against Dallas is going to be a really huge test for Daniel Jones. Really has proved himself this year or last year or the year before that, or the year before that, really. Uh, but he certainly still has time to turn his uh, career trajectory around, uh, around, even though, even if he thinks in his heart of hearts that the Giants are not going to re-sign him, he's still playing. This, can, this whole season can be another tryout for another team that needs a quarterback. At the end of the day, um, a lot of bad quarterbacks are still starting in the NFL, most notably in Seattle right now. He who shall not, who shall not be named. He just, uh, just basically named him, but okay. Uh, I said, hey, starting in Seattle, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, we all know. I think we mostly know who that is. I mean, if you don't, uh, anyway, you've been paying attention to especially, football. Especially, especially New Yorkers. They know who he is. Oh, He's big time legend for the Jets. And Giants, technically, too. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, he did not so much a Giants legend. I mean, I think that's uh, don't, the even, don't even bring it up. Yep. Just, uh, I, hey, yep. I wasn't going to bring it up. I know. You don't brought I it know. up. I know. Uh, but yeah, this is certainly a tryout season for other teams with Daniel Jones, even if the Giants don't have confidence in him. Uh, with that being said, I don't think Cooper Rush is going to march into MetLife and, you know, light him up like he did with the Bengals. I think Cooper Rush is about to turn. Uh, try- it's going to be like Cinderella for Cooper Rush. He had his Cinderella moment. The clock's going to strike midnight. He's going to turn into a pumpkin again. And I think the Giants will beat the Cowboys and MetLife. I think they're going to go on the next week to beat the Bears and they're going to start 4 0. I'm not even a Giants fan, but their schedule is just very favorable and this could be a very memorable year for uh, the Big Blue. Well, if you're a Giants fan, you're hoping that's the case, but I mean, you said it. Cooper Rush did lead this team, this Dallas team, to a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. So if he can do that against a team that went to the Super Bowl last season, it's going to be, it's still going to be a very close game. The key to the Giants winning this game is going to be stopping Micah Parsons because if not for Micah Parsons, the Dallas Cowboys do not win this past week against Cincinnati. Nope. So the key is going to be stopping Micah Parsons at all possible times. So guys like Andrew Thomas and guys like Evan Neal, who's going to probably be going up against Demarcus Lawrence, they've got to be very crucial in this game in protecting because so far Daniel Jones has been sacked, I believe, eight times already on the season. So the Giants' offensive line needs to play a little bit better if they're going to be Dallas this upcoming Monday. I mean, honestly, I think the tackles have played fine. I mean, they're young still. They have they have been fine, but the, it's more it, they're they young. They're they're very young, but yeah. But when you're facing guys like Parsons and Lawrence and that, and oh, that yeah, Dallas defense, but, you they're gonna have to be bigger than they have been so yeah, far. Yeah, but they're also pro- what they really should be doing is keeping a tight end in to chip off. I mean, the problem is with Dallas is that both their edges are really good, but like um, on a normal week, keep a tight end to chip and. They should be okay if they're struggling that day. Well, speaking about a game that I was struggling to watch, and I'm sure Andrew Johnson was struggling to maybe watch it a little bit, considering it's not in our market. Patriots got a win in Pittsburgh, another game that pretty much was very tough to watch, game that really did not have much offensive firepower other than an unbelievable catch by Nelson Aguilar for a touchdown towards the end of the first half. But... This is a game that one the Patriots get a, a much needed win to avoid an 0-2 start after the bad loss to Miami last week. But it's another part where it looks like the Steelers are we could be seeing the quarterback change sooner than we that we expected with Kenny Pickett because fans are already clamoring it. They were chanting his name and during like during the game. 
Seattle's offense looks really, really bad right now, and you could see that their defense was, you know, struggling also without TJ Watt in the lineup. Yeah, I don't want to say if your defense was struggling, it definitely took a hit, but he still when you when you still have a guy like Micah Fitzpatrick on that side of a ball well, who is yeah. just such a huge playmaker. Um, I was talking more like towards their pass rush. Their pass rush seemed oh, very, yeah, yeah, very in, irrelevant in that game. Yeah, I mean you can't but you also can't compare safety to what TJ Watt. I'm just saying defensive I'm talking about defensive playmakers though. That's really what I was going I for mean, here. Yeah, that's because great, the reason but, why they have a win. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. That's great and all, but uh, what TJ Watt could do on the field is just ridiculous. I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna discredit discredit TJ Watt. Although you know, always a depot candidate, no matter uh, what season it is in. Uh, but the Patriots looked a lot more improved on offense, but defense uh, still looking good. Uh, what I want to see going forward, though, is how good this Patriots defense actually is. Because I'm thinking if Miami kind of, I don't want to say struggled against New England in the uh, but if they just were able to completely explode against Baltimore, uh, I want to see how good this Patriots defense is. Or is that come back to my forward. point that Baltimore's defense is shit? Well, yeah, it's early in the NFL uh, NFL season. Really not going to know what's actually legit, who's for real, probably until weeks four and five. I think that's when you start to see a little bit of separation. Like you see, okay, these are the good defenses. This player's having a good year. This player's going to have a bad uh, down year. That's to me the uh, I guess the main takeaway was you know between Patriots defense obviously still performing and Miami's kind of offensive explosion I mean was so is New England that good of a defense still or well, does Miami just have or does Baltimore just have a really bad bad it's, defense? It's funny that you bring it up because now going into next week the Ravens are actually going to be in Foxborough to take on the Patriots so you're going to be able to f- maybe potentially figure out both of those answers I'm depending on how the Ravens defense is going to be the rest of the year, how the Patriots defense is going to be, because we saw how Lamar Jackson was this past week. Patriots are going to have a, are going to have to have a huge game to stop him and keep him in order. Or otherwise Lamar Jackson is going to have another field day. So it's definitely those questions that you asked are definitely going to be answered this upcoming Sunday, I believe. Yeah. And one thing I want to touch upon is I never thought this, these words would come out of my mouth, but the Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, one, two punch at wide receiver actually worked i thought this would never actually come out of my mouth uh just I, I was stunned to see both of them actually have pretty big days at least re- receiving wise uh Devontae parker is still mia but i guess the one thing <laughs> i'm gonna say about Devontae parker is uh if he's drawing more defensive pressure uh presence towards him and drawing you know attention away from both Aguilar and myers so they can sh- so they can shine then he's doing his job but in Two weeks, I think he has nine yards, which is yeah, god awful. Have, but he did not have a catch this past week. Yeah, he's got nine yards in two weeks. But if he's, hey, if he's that guy where defenses are saying, hey, we're gonna you know focus on Devonte Parker more so he doesn't get open, and it's gonna create opportunities for both uh, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, and so be it. I think that'd be a good signing. But uh, again, I don't think we know this until about weeks four and five. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how the rest of the season goes for the Patriots, but. It's definitely a huge win because, I mean, starting 0-2 would be really, really catastrophic considering now they have Baltimore this coming week. Not an easy schedule for New England, but to get a win on the road at at Pittsburgh, I mean, that's definitely something to build off of throughout the rest of the season for Bill Belichick and his, and his squad considering the, you know, the potential ish, you know, injury that Matt Jones almost had 
It looks like he's fine now. So definitely something for New England to be happy about. But if you're a Steelers fan, you're definitely not in a good mood considering how the offense has played throughout the first two weeks of the season. But let's not be reminiscent of the game we had Thursday. We almost forgot to bring this game up between the Chargers and the Chiefs that started off this crazy week two as we had a great game between these two squads, two teams that you know are going to be in the like in conversation for being the favorites in the AFC at the end of the season. And in the end, it's the Kansas City Chiefs to come out with a close win, 27-24. to 24. We saw Justin Herbert throw a crucial interception late in the game to Jalen Watson, who was a seventh-round draft pick. He threw a nine, he got a 99-yard pick six, which was definitely the difference maker in this game. And at the end of it, I mean, Charger fans, you know, not happy about only the loss, but then they have to hear about Justin. You saw Justin Herbert go down the game towards the end. He has a fracture to his rib cartilage. We'll have to see how that injury will play out. But this is another game where the Chargers, again, didn't really seem to give the ball to guys like Austin Eckler. They didn't have Keenan Allen in this game, so you would figure to have seen Eckler a lot more involved. Didn't really see that much in this game, but we saw a great game from a guy like Mike Williams who had 113 yards receiving and a touchdown. So the Chargers will have to see if Keenan Allen will come back very soon. But for the Chiefs, a great job by them holding the Chargers to 24 points and going on going to start off the season 2-0 and and proving to people like me that, hey, listen, they're still going to be a good team to contend with. Yeah, I mean, you also have to take into account that I think this was uh, Justin Herbert's first loss in uh, lost in Arrowhead Stadium. I think he was 2-0 going to this, and he beat himself. Uh, pick six towards the end of that game just really sealed it for him to kind of like really, t- really shitty ending to what was a really great game. And it's tough because the receiver – so what happened was he was trying to throw it to his tight end, Gerald Everett, but they were going at up-tempo, and – you know, Gerald Everett was a little bit gassed at that point. He wanted to, you know, get someone to sub in for him. The Chargers were trying to keep that up-tempo process going, so he had stayed in the game, and that's where Herbert was looking. That's who Herbert was going towards on the on that interception. But Everett, you just saw he was just gassed and could not make any type of play towards the ball, and it was an easy interception for Watson that he brought it back for six. So it's definitely not all Herbert's fault in that sense, but... Still not the greatest of reads by him. Definitely a tough loss for the Chargers, but I think the moral is you're just hoping that Justin Herbert isn't hurt for a you know a long extended period of time because you really need him to be in the lineup if you're going to potentially either A, win the division, or B, but just make the playoffs in general. If I'm the Chargers, I'm not really that worried. I mean... I think long term the future is gonna be great with him. It's just kind of a question of the very short term of you know he's got the fractured ribs right now. Uh, how he's gonna fare going forward if he's cleared to play, if he's good to play, if he's not in pain when he's throwing because you saw towards the end there, uh, he could have ran for an easy easy first down, but he just didn't have it in him. He was just too uh, too injured, and you know it's quite unfortunate that that happened. You I mean I think uh, we see a little bit different outcome when Kansas City goes to. Uh, of the Charger Stadium this you know later in this year, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be something to definitely uh, look forward to. Yeah, I'm gonna say the fact that they refuse. It seems like they just don't even want to give Eckler the ball in general. Like I, I don't understand what their issue is with him right now. 
maybe he's not stu- maybe he's going full uh, Kyler Murray and just not studying the playbook. I don't know. Something's he's not watching film. Hey, I don't know. You might Stop. want to bring up Kyler Murray, but after the game they had this week, I mean, he was definitely he was definitely uh, oh he was huge. He was definitely he, studying something. No, he no Nick, Nick. Let's get to this. This this is him knowing that COD's coming out as like I gotta put I gotta put my good season out there right now because once COD comes out, I'm locked in. He wants to prestige ASAP. Yeah. So he's trying to get his good games out of the way so he gets, you know. That double XP is coming soon. So, I mean, we'll have to see. Can't wait. But let's get more into that game because. What a shit show of an ending. I mean, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about this game because the Raiders played dominant throughout the first three quarters. Cardinals had nothing going for them. And then the fourth quarter, I don't, I just, the Raiders just seemed MIA, it seemed like. I mean, Kyler Murray had an unbelievable two point conversion at the end where I think it took 21 seconds for the full play to develop as if, as if you were playing a Madden like type of play with Michael Vick. It was just that <laughs> bad on the Raiders' part that they couldn't bring him down. And then the, they get the big stop in overtime. I mean, there was a crucial play where Hollywood Brown t- dropped a fourth and one, Typical. I believe it was, which would have put the Cardinals in position to win the game. And it led to the turnover on downs. The Raiders got the ball back. It looked like all they needed to do was go down the field, get into field goal range with Daniel Carlson, and they win. They were pretty much going to be in field goal range. And I said this to Andrew Johnson, I, and he didn't test for it. I said, why didn't the Ra- why don't the Raiders just run the ball right now and just put themselves into a field goal range, which they pretty much were at. They were, I believe, at the 35-yard line when they f- when the eventual fumble from Hunter Renfro happened. Which, by yeah. the way, Hunter Renfro had a fumble earlier in that same drive. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what is it was just not a good drive for Renfro altogether. But in the end, the fumble cost the Raiders as... Byron Murphy returns it for a touchdown, and the Cardinals come back from what looked like was sure to be a loss, and they get their first win of the season. And for the Raiders now, they go to 0-2 in the season. I mean, for a team that had a lot of expectations coming into the year, it is not a good start for Vegas. It seemed as if everything was going right for them, and right now, they I, you got to wonder, are they starting to panic? I know it's two games into the season, but... Things that could could have gone their way have not gone their way so far. I'm gonna give the, that team a little bit of a break, though. I mean, like they've had some real unfortunate. Like that's really unfortunate. Well, you gotta think, think about it. I mean, they had all that great luck happening for them last season. You gotta wonder if all that luck now starting to wear off from yeah. this season. I mean, you could only have so much luck in the NFL. I also think the coaching changes a bit of an issue. Yeah, Josh McDaniels I, was not the hire, but I do but. want to say that Josh McDaniels is not a NFL caliber head coach. He is a passable assistant. I mm-hmm. mean, he this I don't want to say he is Adam Gase bad, but how Peyton Manning made the career of Adam Gase, Tom Brady one hundred percent made the career of Josh McDaniels, and he, every single opportunity he has been given has been linked to the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, I mean, look at what happened with, with his tenure in Denver. I mean, he had the same issues. I mean, just very questionable play calling and 
it led to him getting fired and having to go back to New England. And you're seeing it early on with Vegas. I mean, he's made some really questionable calls, especially on that drive alone. They, they were certain to be in field goal range with just a couple more yards on the ground. And they just yeah. didn't want to give the ball to Josh Jacobs. And that's been a custom of what Josh McDaniels has done uh, his tenure. He doesn't really like to run the football. He did run in 19 times with Josh Jacobs, sure. But it just doesn't seem he wants to get those extra yards that he needs. And instead, he's risking it by, you know, giving throwing the football instead of, you know, giving it to big-time playmakers like Josh Jacobs. But it just goes to show you that's why they maybe declined his fifth-year option. I guess that just shows you that they don't really trust him. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... You know what? Another thing, too, though, is if Renfro doesn't fumble that ball, we're not even having this discussion, probably. Pro- yeah, no, probably not, but... I mean, you know, that's just even a, Even if, they, they should have never been in that scenario to begin with. 100%. 100%. I just, I don't think have... Have you not had... Had you not had Renfro fumbling there? This is never even like, oh, well, maybe he's not it. Like, they should just gave the ball off. I mean, it's it's mo- it's Monday morning quarterbacking. Got the <laughs> like. Well, I'll tell you one thing: one quarterback waking up on a Monday that you know didn't have a good Sunday was probably Matt Ryan. Oh, sorry, I'll bring up Joe Burrow. Well, no, we'll get into Joe Burrow too, but Matt Ryan. I does it seems as if it doesn't matter who the Colts throw at quarterback when they go to Jacksonville these last couple of years. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're still not winning in Jacksonville. I don't understand it. The Colts were absolutely god awful yesterday in Jacksonville. You know, picking off of where they left off last season when they lost in the in the season finale. Matt Ryan, he made some Carson Wentz throws in this game. I saw some really bad decision making by him and three interceptions, and then to, add off, to top it off, Jonathan Taylor only had 54 yards rushing, only carried the ball nine times. I mean, yeah, when you're a star playmaker, well, the pro- see, the issue, I understand why there was, is because they got in such, such a big hole, they had to start throwing the football just to get down the field. But, yeah, you're right. They should have given Jonathan Taylor the ball so much more often. They just how, didn't, didn't for some reason. How was a guy game. that was legit the best offensive player in football last year? Touched the ball nine times. Like, you have to get him the ball. He, especially with Michael Pittman out, he was your most skilled player on the field offensively. You have to find a way to get him the ball. It doesn't matter if it's catching out of the backfield, screens. You have to find a way. That is a poor decision by the offensive coordinator. Like, you have to do better. You have well, to. I mean, it just goes to show you that Frank Reich right now is definitely on the hot seat. because oh, he's, he definitely he's on, going to get fired. He was on the hot seat at the, beginning, the, at the beginning of the season. He's definitely on the hot seat now after this. They still have not won. And if the if the scores remain the same, the Titans and Bills game, if the Bills are able to hang on to win, the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be leading this division at the end of week two. I we mean, love that. Trevor Lawrence go. I mean, listen. We want. We would love. We love to see Trevor Lawrence. You know, I'd like start to see Travis Etienne fucking actually get the ball for once. That'd be great. Well, I I try telling this to people. I don't understand why people thought James Robinson was not going to be the number one running back. He's been a good running back throughout his entire tenure at Jacksonville. Uh, then you don't draft. Then you just don't draft Etienne. But in he the first didn't. Round. Remember, Doug Pearson didn't draft Etienne. 
I understand that, but ETN's just as talented, if not more. Mm. They're just not giving him the reps. I I don't think he's as talented as James Robinson running ability wise. He's a better cat. He's a better catching back. I'll give you that. But I I think running ETN wise is still a really good. At, I I I agree. ETN's a good running back, running back. But I think I think overall, what you're looking for in a running back, and you're comparing the two, you're looking for a guy like James Robinson. And I get that to an extent. I do. I like James Robinson as a running back. I just, I think ET. You don't know what you have in ETN yet. Well, like this, it's only two weeks into the season. We still no, this is ETN's first 100%. full season, so we don't know what he is yet. One hundred percent. But right but like, now, it's showing that ETN is going to be the running back too for this offense. Like, do you, you give the guy nine carries? I mean, how but do that's you expect him? But that's why I say he's more of a catching back. Yeah, but okay. I mean, looking at the stats, James Robinson had 23 attempts for 64 yards. ETN had nine for 20. I mean, yeah, they both, I mean, they both didn't run the ball good. I mean, this is a good Colts front seven. Oh, 100%. But, like, again, what do most teams do? They split carries. I mean, DeAndre Swift isn't getting, I mean, what hell? DeAndre Swift. The only reason DeAndre Swift didn't get that many carries this week is because he was going into the game with an injury. So he wasn't no, going to be the workhorse of that offense. I know. But, like, my point is, but even, like, in a regular week, I think they're going to go to Jamal Williams a lot still. Yeah, because he's more of a third down back. Like, he's more he's of a power back. He's still a back. good back. I mean, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He gets you those power back yards yeah, and you like, third I, down. I don't know. I feel like a lot of these teams now run a two back system, which is, I mean, for fantasy owners, it's fucking terrible. But, like, you just have, ETN gives you, I think, a little bit more speed and finesse. And, like, I, just, I don't get why they refuse to use it. Because, like basically. I said, James Robinson's a really good running back. You can't take that talent off the field. I mean, every other team seems to take talent off the field. I don't even know what you're insinuating with that, but I'll leave it at that. Um. Anyway, when it comes to it, I mean, we saw Christian Kirk emerge as a Potentially the receiver that got paid in the offseason. He had two catching he had six catches for seventy eight yards, two touchdowns. Had a really good game. And I mean, if the Jaguars can continue to, you know, show this momentum with him on the offensive side and Trevor Lawrence continues to, you know, be as accurate as he was this past week, maybe the Jaguars are that sleeper team that we saw on the Cincinnati Bengals last season. Maybe they're a team that could win the division and just sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting with that division. The whole division's a mess right now. And uh, I said this last year, Trevor Lawrence has the pedigree and the talent to be the next great NFL quarterback. But his coaching situation was absolutely abysmal. He had a guy that shouldn't have even been close to a head coaching job in the NFL. Uh, thankfully, he was relieved of his duties. And uh, he can go creep on young women in a bar somewhere in Ohio and stay f- far away from ruining NFL's great next quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this would be, certainly be something if Trevor Lawrence can uh, can emerge as that next great quarterback this season so early on. And uh, it's definitely looking like he has potential. He had 235 yards. As Nick said he had the two touchdowns to, to Christian Kirk. Uh, after a mediocre last season to nothing of his fault, mainly just due to management and coaching, he certainly looked a lot better in these past two weeks. Having a guy like Doug Pearson, who's won a Super Bowl before, it's definitely going to help him, especially on the offensive side. Doug Pearson knows how to, you know, get some great offensive teams like he did with the Eagles with Carson Wentz before he went down with an injury. The Eagles were, were a well-oiled machine 
on off on offense and we'll see if that continues with Jacksonville but credit to their defense they played a hell, a hell of a game against Matt Ryan in this offense who was for sure missing Michael Pittman and now they're going into can they're going to be playing the Chiefs this upcoming week Colts might start the season off all with three and man the good thing for them is I'll say this that division as you said Johnson is so bad that I still think they could win the division just based off the fact of how terrible it is uh, yeah, definitely. It's not looking like Tennessee or Buffalo is going to be that. Uh, not Buffalo. Buffalo. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm watching the game. Oh, yeah, I'm watching yeah, Tennessee and Buffalo right now. It's not looking like Tennessee or Indianapolis. I mean, Tennessee was my pick. Um, Indianapolis, I believe, was your pick at the beginning of this. But yeah. It's looking like both those teams are going to be mediocre at very best. Which is... It's funny because Houston has looked. Uh, Houston and Jacksonville have looked like the best two teams in that division so it, far. It seems like we've entered the upside down and that. Uh, yeah, and Beckham, then, you know, Houston and Jacksonville uh, are definitely Beckham's the coming. best teams at division right now. Yeah. I mean, are we a parallel universe? I mean, yeah, yeah. I just watched Tennessee uh, buff a punt live, and, and the Bills recovered. So, I mean, that was kind of why I was just so starstruck so how bad this team is both on so offense same thing in the Patriots and game. special teams. I mean, they're just not. Uh, I don't want to say it. Is Vrabel slowly becoming on the hot seat yeah i mean uh, i don't really trust I, mike you might, Grable, you I might mean, have to consider it because they got the one seed last year and they lost immediately i don't know i, I will say I, I, though I, I think if variable has a better quarterback though but see they were one. but he was the one that put Tannehill in the quarterback to begin with i know so that's his own doing i understand I at the time marcus Mariota was your other quarterback but he was the one that put ryan Tannehill in that position I no. will say one thing and one thing only about this, not to cut you off, Grayson. If the Trey Lance injury does not happen, I could really see Jimmy Garoppolo would have been traded to Tennessee. Oh, that, I that really was a possibility. You. I agree. And I mean, I, I, I just, you gotta feel bad for Trey Lance too, but I don't. Yeah, he still has. A, oh come on, man! How do you not feel bad for him? It's an injury. He'll be fine. Yeah, but I mean, you wanted to see how he, if he was going to develop. Now you got to wait another. But full they're year. invested on him anyway. Jimmy no, G's going no matter what. It's not like he's fighting, oh, well, I got to fight for my roster spot. He's not fighting for a roster spot. I mean, he's going okay. to be their starting quarterback. So, I mean, like it, like it could be, a, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise for him, but it gives him another year to learn the playbook, uh, to potentially build more around him. Uh, exactly. It also gives, I mean, it gives Jimmy G another year to show off his talent. So, I mean, this could be, I don't want to say the best of both worlds, but obviously you never want Bush injury or uh, oh no! 100%. But you have to make the best of it. You have to make the best of a, of a bad situation. Like, I for just, him right I now. just don't see like it sucks. I mean, look, it'd be great to see Trey Lance play because I mean, we want to see what you got. But at the same time, it's not for him. It's not like, oh, I feel bad for him. No, he, the, he's going to get his money. He's going to be the starting quarterback next year. It, it's just a matter of him being able to play. That's all. That's, yeah, that's all fair. I'm saying by that's that. Fair. It's not. This isn't like, uh, you know, one of these other position teams where, like, they haven't decided, okay, this is who we're going with. This isn't like a Daniel Jones situation where, like, he's fighting for his job this season. Like, no. Everybody knows Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback next season for San Fran. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Definitely a situation where Jimmy G is definitely playing for – a potential suitor for his for him next season, 
as there's going to be definitely a couple teams that if they don't draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft, they're definitely going to be looking at guys like Jimmy G to potentially be their starting quarterback for next season. That That's more of what I meant by it, though. Yeah. It wasn't more of a, a shot at Trey Lance. It was more of just a – he's going to be fine. And you know what I will say when it comes to that? Maybe there is one team that I could see maybe thinking about quarterback after what happened this past week. The Saints, they might have to consider looking at a quarterback change because not for this season because you're going to have to ride with Jameis Winston either way. But, man, Jameis Winston looked really, really bad in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know he had a back injury. You know, he has some issues that he's saying he still feels the pain every week. But some of the throws that he made in this game were not good at all. And the Saints could be one of those suitors for maybe Jimmy Chi or a young quarterback in this upcoming draft. But this is another game that was very, you know, you know, very boring. ugly at yeah, just very boring and ugly at the beginning of the game. And then we had that altercation between Mike Evans and Marshall Lattimore. That which, was awesome. Which led, which led to um, One Mike Evans suspension. actually getting yeah. – yeah, he actually got a suspension, so he will not be playing. And it's a big game coming up. They're playing the Green Bay Packers this week, so not the game to be getting suspended for. But I, I respect Mike Evans for what he did because, I mean – Lattimore was going right at Tom Brady, and you defend you know, your quarterback. You, you have to defend your quarterback, even if you're going to the sideline or whatever. He he did what he had to do, but yeah. those two have had history even before this happened. Oh yeah, and, you smoked him before, <laughs> and it's just it just culminated again. But as I said, I mean this game was just bowling shoe ugly, as they would like to call it. Tampa Bay got finally gets a touchdown towards the end of the game offensively with Tom Brady throwing one to Brashad Perryman. And this was more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. They're once again looking very, very strong to start off the season. And with the, you know, the litany of injuries they have on offense with the offensive line and now losing guys like Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. Now Mike Evans won't be playing this week. So Scotty Miller, question mark? Big Scotty week. Miller. Honestly, might be picking him up in fantasy this week. Scotty Miller did not look good this week in this game either. It so doesn't I matter. would be very hesitant. I would look at guys like Russell Gage if you're going to be looking for anyone. Hey, yeah, but- I know we're talking about the future quarterback for New Orleans, uh, but for my own selfish purposes in fantasy, uh, there's a great guy, Mormon, uh, known as Taysom, Taysom Hill, uh, starting at tight end right now. Uh, you guys should Big definitely facts. make the call and – Start Taysom Hill this weekend. I definitely won't benefit at all fantasy wise because they have him listed as a tight end. But hey, if he wants to start a quarterback, I, I could see him starting because I don't know. I I really think Jameis is still injured, and I know they're saying he could play through the injury. I'm not sure if it's wise to play him through this injury right now because uh, he's just he plays, been so if, awful. If he plays the way he plays this past this past Sunday, I mean, I don't know how far the Saints are going to go. The Saints were one of my teams that I thought could maybe make, you know sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. If they play like that offensively throughout the rest of the season, I don't think they're going to have a chance. Their defense, to their credit, they held Tom Brady and company in check for most of this game. You know, Leonard Fournette was not really much of a factor either, but the Saints defense can only do so much. Now, they will have a game this week with the Carolina Panthers, so they have a chance to respond with a win on the road in Carolina. But if they were to lose to the Panthers this upcoming Sunday, it's gonna be. I think it might. You might have to start panicking if you're a Saints fan. Oh, you should already be panicking. You're starting James Winston at quarterback. I still think it's too early. It's two games in. This really shouldn't. There really shouldn't be many teams panicking right now. 
I think, like, obviously, like, when Dallas lost Cooper Rush, obviously they started to panic, but they did beat the Bengals. Maybe if you're a Bengals fan, maybe you start panicking because you can't even beat Cooper Rush. They lost uh, Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush the first two weeks of the season. It's not, that's more it's of a defense good. issue. That's a defense issue more than like their offense hasn't looked good either, though. Uh, I think I think it's an offensive line issue. Joe Burrow's on pace on pace gets sacked 111 times this year. He's gonna die. He's he will turn into the next Andrew Luck if they don't fix that old line this yeah, season. And remember, they fixed they they quote unquote fixed it in the offseason by getting guys like Lyle Collins, and they just yeah they haven't. Yeah, no, I they don't... definitely spent it. They definitely spent it in the offseason. Like I'm not gonna. Go after the Bengals front office or Bengals manager. They definitely looked at it from last year. Okay, we have you know a gaping hole in our offensive line. Let's go spend money in the offseason. Let's get good guys that we can go plug in there and we can fix it. And it hasn't maybe this they just haven't gelled so far. Obviously, it's still a long season to go, but early on it hasn't looked pretty. Well, I'm gonna say this, and I said this to you earlier, and I still feel this way. I'm gonna probably feel this way throughout the rest of the season. The Super Bowl run really hurt the Bengals in a sense because. I think the thing that's really it's holding them back is Zach Taylor, their their head coach. I, I just don't think he's that good of a head coach. And you can you could see it. I mean, some of the play call decision making he makes, it just it just boggles my mind sometimes what he what he does. Like Joe like Joe Burrow, to his credit, saved his job last season with that Super Bowl run. Now, would we be having this conversation if they had won the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. This would be a whole different argument. But because, you know, they fell short of the Super Bowl, now they're starting the season with so many expectations and they're starting off 0-2, it's really not a good look for the Bengals right now because of, one, yes, their offensive lines look horrible. Their defense hasn't looked great either. And that's because, you know, they're still trusting guys like Eli Apple, who, let's face it, is not good at all. He's just getting burnt most of the time. They haven't really had a consistent pass rush. And I mean, they they just really have not seemed to you know address some of the issues they've had on the defense that we saw last season's in the last season's postseason run. So if they don't start to address this sooner rather than later, they're going to ruin you know this opportunity to potentially you know stay in the Super Bowl hunt. But I think for them to stay in the hunt, they might have to look at another head coach sooner rather than later. Um, I'd probably agree with you on that. I do think that I mean if the O-line could just play a little bit better like just enough that Burrow has a minute or two in the pocket it's just unbelievable how quick that that guy's on his back every day every game yeah. it's it's crazy well another issue for Burrow also what I see is when he plays is that He'll try to, when he gets pressured, he'll try to keep running back and back, and he just never decides when to, like, go down. He loses more yards than they need to lose. No, that's 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 definitely very fair. But at the same time, at this rate, it's got to just be, like, PTSD. I mean, yeah. No, I agree. The guy hasn't had more than, what, three seconds in the pocket in two years. That's why Johnson's right. I mean, the, he's on the he's on pace for to, to be like Andrew Luck. He and that's it's, really it sad. It's sad because that the talent that that kid has is ridiculous. Like I'm sure Andrew Luck would still be a great quarterback in the NFL right now if he was still playing. But oh, Andrew, just, so right many now, injuries. If, if the Colts had Andrew Luck right now, they'd be cruising. Yeah, 
Probably. I honestly was praying to God he'd come out of retirement. Nah, it's just too long. He could retire. He could definitely still. He's been retired for what now? Through four years, I think. I think since 2018. So uh, you're out of the money. Phil Rivers is when he retired. Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett. So yeah, was that full season? Yes, they had a full year. Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was half a year. And then Matt Ryan now. So yeah, it's four. Yeah, so four. And it's not. It's yeah. The Colts are just not in a good spot right now. But neither are the Bengals. They're both. Both 0 2 on the season, and if they don't start figuring out something sooner rather than later, it the both of those coaches are going to be on the hot seat for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if the Bengals don't have something going by like week five, they might just make the coaching change. They 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 might have to think about it this week. They're in they're at MetLife facing the Jets. If you lose the Jets on the road, they lost it last year to the Jets on the road. They lose again well, this year. Well, but see, that's why I think they might I give know. them a break. I don't know if you can, bro. That Jets how many, team. How many? I know, but how many more breaks can you really give the guy? I, I that's why I said though. I'd give him till like week four. If things aren't around by week four, you gotta send them. You have to. You're literally killing your chances of anything. It just sucks for Bengals fans. They went through all those years with Marvin Lewis, you know, and they made all these playoff appearances. And they never did anything with them. Now they finally get, you know, they get a new head coach in Zach Taylor, and they finally make one big run to the Super Bowl, and now everything is just going from bad to worse. And, you know, if they can't, my issue with this is they have this game with the Jets this week. If they were to lose, then they have a short week the following week against the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. And if the Dolphins play anything like how they played this past Sunday, Bengals could start the season 0 4. They're in a really, really bad spot right now. They have to win this week. It is. Probably the most must-win game they've had, even probably since the Super Bowl. But it's going to be this. This game will definitely decide how the Bengals will play the rest of the season. I mean, they're they're opening right now at a four and a half favorite. I mean, they have to. I mean, not 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 anyone's really going to think the Jets are a favorite with Flacco. I, I get Flacco has played great, but no one's going to think that the Jets are going to be a favorite with Flacco still playing. No, even if Zach Wilson was playing, it still it still wouldn't change anything. No, that's fair. I mean, that's uh, they gotta find a way to protect this man. Well, a guy that doesn't need any protection right now, um, after what he did this past Sunday night against a team that he has said in the past that he owns is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he and the Packers just dominated the Bears. There's really not much to this game. Aaron Jones had a monster game. David Montgomery ran for over 100 yards for the for the Bears, but Bears just got absolutely dismantled. They had a great start in the first quarter. Packers, though, look like the team that everyone's hoping to see throughout the rest of the season, but we'll have to see how they play next week against Tampa Bay, but Packers just continuing to own the Bears after this past Sunday night. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Though. you got to let Justin Fields throw the ball a little bit more. You only had eleven attempts. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I actually bet the under that he was going to uh, pass under thirty attempts. I thought he'd get maybe the twenty-two or twenty-three, but that's, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, how do you have a quarterback going throw eleven attempts? And like, I get it. I don't think Fields is that great of a quarterback, but like, and the running game was working. But like, 
he's young. Let him throw. Like, he's not going to learn how to make reads in the NFL if you're not letting him throw the ball in games. Yeah, I would say, you know, you have to let him throw and kind of work out his own mistakes. Uh, also, to a pretty big extent, that uh, who's Chicago's top receiver right now? I mean, Darnell they lost Mooney. Down- yeah, they lost Aaron Robs in the offseason. Darnell Mooney is your top guy. I think he had I mean, one reception had one. for negative four yards. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Equinemius, I guess. I the mean, Bears' biggest issue right now is they're still they they they're rebuilding. They they yes, they won last week, but it doesn't show for the fact of how bad oh, no. this offense looks on paper. They're just not going to be a good. They're going to most likely be the worst offensive team in football this season. A hundred percent. But like, but my point is like, you gotta let your quarterback throw the football. Uh, I mean. Jared Goff is still throwing the ball over 30 times. Like, and when you have guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, it's just, they have, they have, and the Lions, I will venture to say, they have one of the best offensive lines of football. So he has a lot of time. In the no, pocket. I know. But like, guys like Justin Fields, he doesn't have much time in the pocket. His offensive line is one of the, you know, not one of the better ones in the NFL. I mean, I'm just saying, like, 11. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is still getting completing twenty one passes. Like, yeah, Daniel, yeah, no, it's, like it's you can't only have eleven pass attempts. And it's not like he was like oh two for eleven or something. He was seven for eleven. I mean, I I think it all. I mean, it all comes back to you're the, losing the, the play calling. I mean, they have a new offensive coordinator, so you got to wonder if, if you know how they're going to fix that throughout the rest of the season. But you're right. I mean, you're not going to really necessarily win when you're throwing the ball like eleven times in the game. They're pretty much going to stack. You're pretty much just going to stack the box and play the run the entire day. I mean, he has 28 passing attempts in two games. Yeah, in the first game there was in a monsoon. Yeah, no. I mean, look, the first game you can't blame the guy. Like I, I wouldn't want him throwing the ball either. But like 28 passing attempts. People have complete. The majority of the league has 28 completions in a night. Josh Allen has that already in solo third quarter. Yeah, well, Josh Allen's actually a god. This <laughs> dude is him and uh, also Stefan Diggs might be the best receiver in football. Uh, yeah, uh, nah, the pod right, uh, uh, on the pod right now, he's got three touchdowns and 150 yards. I, uh, after he's I, the third. I, I mean, still think Cooper he's Cup's that the <laughs> Cooper Cup's also had a lot of protection around him with other receivers. I, I still think it's Cooper Cup. Yeah, I guess uh, we can. You can't really ca- discredit it after what Cup did last season. But I, oh, mean, no. I mean, beggars can be choosers. I mean, it's it's that's it's it's definitely a tough. It's definitely a close call. I guess we could cap this off of a. Uh, I don't want to say a uh, too far advanced Monday Night Football recap, but uh, just for the viewers at the time of this uh, this pod, uh, five minutes left in the third, thirty-four-seven Buffalo against Tennessee. And twenty-one-seven for Philadelphia over the Vic- uh, over the Minnesota Vikings, looking like Buffalo is going to uh, absolutely, you know, take this game. You know, Titans look uh, lethargic. Derrick Henry seems like that foot injury may have been, you know, a little bit more serious than we had realized. Uh, Diggs looks like he's that guy. Josh Allen four t- passing touchdowns so far in the night, uh, just looking like an absolute shellacking of Tennessee right now. Yeah, I mean now now I get showing from the Titans again, and this is coming off that heartbreaking loss they had to the Giants last Sunday. Coming out, you know, a longer week, you know, a little bit of a, a extra days of rest, and 
it seems like they're still sleeping from the wrestling that they've done. I mean, they're just playing a horrible game right now. Derrick Henry is trying his best, but 13 carries to 25 yards, they just have not gotten anything going for them right now in this game. And like I said, this is why I said, you know, when we did our predictions, I said this is a division in the NFC, in the AFC South where a team with a losing record might might just win the division. Right now, the way it's going, I think that's very, very possible it's going to happen. Can have that seven and ten pride in a uh, in a playoff game. Nah. Can we talk about something real quick? How does Dalvin Cook only have three rushing attempts at halftime? Almost uh, because it's the Vikings and the sun has set and uh, they don't play well in prime the, time. It's that the Eagles have also held the ball for most of this entire game. They're running the ball like very efficiently, especially with like Jalen Hurts. And yes, it's Kirk Cousins on prime time, so. They're throwing the ball a lot more. It's <laughs> you know what's funny. I just looked this out now. Jalen Rager apparently is the leading rusher right now Russia, for the Vikings. Yeah. Imagine that shit. <laughs> well, it's the Jalen Rager revenge game. Fantastic. Yeah. How about Dalvin Cook needs the fucking ball? Hey, listen. The Eagles have a, a very good defensive line. It's gonna be tough for him to run, even if if he had more carries, but. I don't know. Definitely another strange occurrence with Kirk Cousins playing on a uh, Monday night. I'm just going to say this. I might have cursed every single top running back in the league this year because I have every different combination of a top running back, and they're all sucking major cock right now. That's I have, call. I have Taylor, Henry, Cook. Uh, I mean, I took Can you ETN. let me... Can you let me know who you're drafting just so I could fade your picks? Yes. Uh, Eckler, another uh, guy. You, that's do, been... you, you do not ruin Jonathan Taylor for me. I I, I will kill uh, you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't and, want uh, to. I didn't uh, have a choice. I had the number one pick. And just to cap off the night, uh, Ryan Tannehill just threw another interception. This time, pick six. Gonna be <laughs> going to be 40 pick to seven six. right now, pending the extra point. Yeah, it oh, hasn't been oh a good night for Ryan Lord. Tannehill. It's getting really ugly. The Bills might score fifty points by the end of this game. I, uh, they gotta get rid of Tannehill. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna call right now. I think sooner rather than later, you're gonna see Malik Willis starting for this team. There, there's you no there's no way Tannehill is gonna be starting the rest of the season. I give him by week five. Uh, I might see it. You might see it next week. Uh, you I might don't see know. Logan. I think you see Logan Woodside before you. He might play. You, he might play tonight. I, I honestly think you see Logan Woodside before you see Malik Willis. And it's that Logan. was Matt Milano on oh. the uh, on the INT. Logan Woodside. Oh man, that's gonna leave us. Or that's gonna be. They a... signed Cam Newton. Oh god, no, they can't do that. <laughs> I'd, rather, than I'd, rather, I'd rather see what you have in Malik Willis than sign Cam, uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton's team... chance of going back to a team is like in Seattle. That's the that's like his only hope. No. He should just say retired. He should. But anyway, I mean, another crazy week in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be tough to, I mean, week one, we had some crazy final scores. Week two, we had some amazing comebacks. Question is, how is week three going to, you know, try to top that one off? We'll have to see. I mean, it all starts Thursday with the Steelers and Browns game. Another a game that might turn into an ugly one, considering how both offenses have really been so far at the start of the season. So expect the defenses to be up and about in this game. Then the game of the week, though, boys, Bills at Dolphins. I expect a lot of points in this game. 
And the way Josh Allen's playing right now, and if two attack of Aloha can um can um uh, keep it going, you could see another forty two thirty eight final in this game. I mean, yeah, this is really going to be the game to where is Tua actually a good quarterback, or was it just how bad I think that Ravens defense? Also, I want to point out, I just got an update. Malik Willis is actually in the game now. So, (laughs) (laughs) called it early. He's already in the game. Get some early season Malik Willis action, see what he can do. Maybe uh, the run game gets a little bit better. He's a little bit more of a mobile quarterback. Maybe kind of maybe change up the variable scheme a little bit. I guess we'll see by the end of this game. Yeah, hopefully we'll have to see. If Lake Willis plays a little bit decent, you might see him start next week. But I guess we'll have to tune in and find out. But I think that is going to do it for the All Gas No Break Sports Podcast show. We once again thank you all for tuning in and listening on to our talk about this past week in college football and some of the crazy games that we had in the NFL this past Sunday and currently going on this Monday night. We would like to tell all everyone to please follow us on Instagram at all gas no break sports cards that A G N B underscore sports underscore cards. We also have our whatnot page where we usually sometimes we'll rip WWE cards on Friday night. We are starting to you know rip a little bit more into the NFL season as the season is you know still underway. The NBA season is also approaching us very soon as next month. So we might be ripping into some NBA, but you have to tune in and find out on the yellow W and whatnot, but make sure to tune on in to our show next week as we'll definitely be previewing some of the NFL for next week. We'll also recap some of the NFL scores as well as college football and maybe a little bit more talk into some of the MLB playoff scenarios as the playoffs are definitely coming around the corner and we will definitely know some of the scenarios on who is going to be facing who in this year's postseason and one more thing boys don't say my it again. time of the year don't say it again is almost here it is almost oh season. true that that's right hockey season is also a month away so we are definitely getting ready to start the hockey season you know we're trying to see if our new york rangers are going to have a repeat performance of last season and maybe even go farther than they did but we'll definitely have some very special guests. I know a certain someone that would definitely love to be on the podcast to talk to Grayson about Rangers hockey this upcoming oh, season. She gets somebody like that. Um, I think he needs to hear this. We are Marshall. I knew he was going to say it. I just knew it. Anyway, once again, I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona. I am once again joined alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Cheapy G. Marino. We once again thank you for joining us here on the All Gas No Break Sports Podcast Show, and we would like to wish you all a great rest of your evening. <laughs>